The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hello, everybody, and happy November Day, or whatever day it happens to be when you are listening, wherever you are. I'm so happy that you're joining us. Today, we have a totally jam-packed show. After the first break, we're going to be bringing on Liz Marshall, who's the filmmaker for the exquisite film, The Ghosts in Our Machine. If you're listening live today in November 2013, that film is playing in New York City and in Los Angeles. It's going to be all over the place, and it'll be on video in 2014, so uh, you will get a chance to see it. And in the third segment, we'll have Mary Lou Henner that you may remember from Taxi and Evening Shade, and you might also know Mary Lou is a wonderful, wonderful health advocate and, and author, and Mary Lou also has something called Highly Superior Autobiographical Memory, meaning that she has one of the best memories in the world, one of the 12 top memories, and she can remember things so that if you say, what were you doing on February 22nd, 1986 at 3 p.m., she could tell you. But you know As people, some people, we've talked about this with Dr. Neil Barnard, who wrote Power Foods for the Brain. We all know that in our country, a lot of people lose their memory, whether they had a really good one to start with or not. So somebody like Mary Lou, you could also say, and what were you doing yesterday morning at 945? She could tell you. But sadly, so, so many people in our country lose that and develop Alzheimer's or some form of dementia. That's why the Alzheimer's Association is a favorite charity of Mary Lou Henner. And it's also a very, very special topic for our guest who's coming up right now. And this is Deborah Schaus. Deborah Schaus is a writer's writer. I have known of her and her work since I was just a young sprout, as was she. And she writes beautifully. She and her partner, Ron Zoglin, are expert storytellers. And their work now deals with dementia 
For many families, that diagnosis is an ending. For Deborah, it was a beginning. She says, my mother taught me how to celebrate and appreciate what we have right now. And just yesterday, Central Recovery Press brought out an updated edition of Deborah's book, Love in the Land of Dementia, Finding Hope in the Caregiver's Journey. That was originally a self-published book that raised more than $80,000 for Alzheimer's programs and research. And she will continue to donate a portion of her proceeds to Alzheimer's. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you so much, Victoria. Well, you treat this subject so sensitively and so beautifully. The anecdotes of your mother as she went through these later years of her life, what you learned from her, they're, they're just exquisite. So tell us, how has sharing these stories changed you? Well, it's really been a gift to me to take something that I know I was initially very afraid of as our many people, and be forced to look at the gifts and blessings in it. And also I made a vow to stay connected with my mom throughout her journey. And that led me to a greater state of surrender. It forced me to really notice what I had that was good, to appreciate my mom just as she was in the moment and not yearn for her as she used to be. And that gave us a really deep connection towards the end of her life when we didn't have words to connect us, but we were connected through our touch and our eye-gazing, and it was a huge gift for me. And then getting to share these stories with other caregivers who are going on the same or similar journeys has also really um, enriched my life. So how many people have Alzheimer's, and how many people are considered to be caregivers? Well, in America, there's more than 5 million people who have Alzheimer's, and there are more than 15 million family and friend unpaid caregivers. There are so many of us whose lives have been touched by this, and that was one reason I wanted to initially self-publish so I could help raise money and awareness, and I was thrilled to hear of Mary Lou's interest in this as well. Well, it's just huge, and I think it touches people that we love, and therefore it touches our hearts in a way that that some other issues can seem a little bit further out. You had great praise on Love in the Land of Dementia, Deborah, from Publishers Weekly. They said the author's short first-person narratives, complete with dialogue, will undoubtedly resonate with the huge population of adults charged with caring for a loved one with dementia. Her experience is universal and compassionately rendered. Readers come to know Fran, thanks to her daughter's unconditional love, respect, and candor. What an incredible tribute to your mother and compliment of your work. Thank you, Victoria. And it does feel really nice to kind of appointed myself my mother's historian and spokeswoman and to get to share the really deep, true love that my parents had for each other. My father taught me so many lessons in love as my mother sank more deeply into Alzheimer's, and I am very grateful 
for those years we had together going through this. Mm. Well, that's a lot to say. So, Deborah, in this tiny amount of time that we have, what do you wish people knew more about this disease and about caregiving? Well, I wish that um, people understood that even though we all don't want to lose our memories, there's a lot of gifts that come with us. There's much to the person who has Alzheimer's and memory loss, even though they may act differently than they did before. And so to really be present for them, to be open to who they are at that moment. And also, I'd love to continue a conversation about Alzheimer's. I feel the more we share our stories with each other, the more awareness we'll have for this disease, the more funding we'll have, and the more connected we'll all be regardless of our memory. That is so lovely. And honestly, anybody listening, if you have this in your family or your extended family, if you know anyone who's dealing with this, do treat them to a copy of Love in the Land of Dementia by Deborah Schaus. You can get it on Amazon, uh, BN.com, Goodreads, your, your local bookstore. You know, give her a glowing review. We need <laughs> more people to have, have this kind of information. And also check out Deborah's blog where they're building a caregiving community. What's your blog link, Deborah? It's Deborah Schaus Writes, and I'm on WordPress.com. And so Deborah Deb- Schaus Writes all squished together. Okay, S-H-O-U-S-E for Schaus and writes like we all wish we could write like you. <laughs> Thank you Thank so you, much, Victoria. Deborah. Bless you in this work and uh, let me know when you're going to be in my part of the world because reading you is a treat and listening to you and Ron tell stories is just a treat with frosting on it. Oh, thank you, Victoria. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. All the best with the book. Thanks. Bye-bye. And- Bye-bye, and everybody else, stay with us through these messages, and we will be back with more Main Street Vegan right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Unity Online Radio is affiliated with Unity, a nonprofit organization specializing in prayer, publishing, and spiritual education. If you enjoy our programming and would like to support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now to make a contribution. You can make a one-time or recurring monthly donation. Thank you. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com. 
Amazon.com or your favorite bookseller. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Rev. Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody. I am so excited about my next guest because I honestly believe that she has crafted the perfect film. You've heard me talk about it for weeks. It's called The Ghosts in Our Machine. It's a beautiful documentary about animals, about the animals that really are the ghosts in the machine of human interest. And she tells it through the story of Joanne MacArthur, a wonderful photographer who documents the plight of animals. You've just got to see it. That's all. If you're in New York or Los Angeles right now, as I said, you can see it on the big screen. If not, it's going to be all sorts of other places. We want it to get an Oscar. That's the big thing to hold in mind at this moment. And I'm going to let you know that Liz Marshall is a Gemini-nominated, award-winning auteur filmmaker who fuses character-driven cinematic storytelling with social and environmental justice issues. The Ghosts in Our Machine has received incredible reviews in the New York Times, in the L.A. Times. You can find out more about the movie at theghostsinourmachine.com. Welcome, welcome, Liz Marshall. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here and to hear your lovely voice. And, and it was wonderful to see you last week at the theater when you introduced the movie at the Village East Cinema. And so it was just so lovely to see you. And thanks for having me on the show. Well, that it's, it's a total honor to have anything to do with your work and this project, certainly. So what's going on in L.A.? How's it being received out there? Oh, it's just been fantastic. We just got home, myself and Joanne MacArthur, who is the protagonist and photographer featured in the movie. She and I have sort of just been on the road, uh, starting with New York, uh, which was our American theatrical launch. Um, And then we went to L.A., where we opened at the Lemley Music Hall um, Theater in Beverly Hills. 
and had a wonderful opening weekend. And so they've also extended our theatrical run by one week um, because that's how the theaters gauge it. If you do well on opening weekend, then they'll give you an extra week. And so in both New York and in L.A., we've had an extended run, uh, which is really exciting. And we just got back last night, and we're jet-lagged and feeling pumped and excited, and we leave on Friday night for IDFA, which is the world's biggest documentary film festival that takes place in Amsterdam. And we have six screenings, and so we're being given actually quite... We're, we're preferential treatment at IDFA, um, and so we're excited about that. And it's just an exciting time in general, I think, for the animals, the ghosts. I think there's a spotlight shining down uh, on, on them. And that's really the purpose of the ghosts in our machine is to illuminate the lives of these billions of creatures. And you're so right. Everything that you get to do is for them. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's so incredibly exciting. So, Joanne, I've described your movie on this show a few times, but it's your movie so you tell us, what's it about as you have filmed it and as you see it? Did you say Joanne or Liz? I'm sorry, Liz. I confused you. You know, you guys are kind of alter <laughs> egos at this point since she's the subject of the film. Or she's sort of the semi-subject of the film. The animals are the subject, and she seems to be the catalyst through which their story is told. Would you agree with that? Beautiful. Thank you for um, expressing it like that. That's exactly uh, her role. She's like a conduit. Um, and we access a cast of animal characters, um, real non-human animals, of course. This is a documentary. Through her photographic lens, but also through her vision of the world and her heart. Um, so it's very much a film that dwells in empathy. It's not about empathy. It actually dwell, dwells in that space. So as a viewer... Um, you can't help but experience uh, the animals and the world through Joanne's perspective because it is a POV, which is a point-of-view uh, documentary. <clears throat> so as the main human subject, she is an anchor for the big issues. And so um, her story trajectory um, <clears throat> takes place over the course of a year in the film, and she's trying to have her and amazing work. She has a very large body of photographic work called We Animals. Um, <clears throat> and she's pitching it and trying to have it seen on a wider scale. And that's a really important backdrop or theme within the movie because it parallels the struggles, the challenges that are out there um, in mainstream culture um, for mainstream publications to feature and embrace uh, these issues and these images that reveal what's really going on within the machine of our modern world. Oh, I think one of the most positive, one of the most powerful scenes in the film is when she's in the office of her agents and they're admiring her work. They're saying how this is so powerful, this is so exquisite, this needs to be seen. But of course, mainstream magazines don't want to look at this and you just want to stand up in the theater and say, make them look. I know. And the beauty of documentary, actually, is you have that possibility of being a powerful platform. 
And because there's so many documentary film festivals around the world, and of course with a theatrical release, um, that's a strong mainstream kind of platform. Although this is not a commercial film, you know, like Blackfish is much more of a commercial film, and it's done really, really well in the, in the sort of the commercial uh, market for documentaries. Um, the Ghosts in Our Machine is less commercial, but we are having a go at it. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, that, you know, we have, we've had strong reviews in the two main papers that can kind of break or make your film in the U.S., and that's the, uh, the Los Angeles uh, Times and the New York uh, Times. So, you know, they're kind of like love letters to the movie. Wow. And, and then we've had our theatrical engagement. And all of that, by the way, is part of an Oscar-qualifying uh, theatrical campaign that we're conducting, along with hundreds of other films right now. Um, and the short list... Uh, of 15 documentaries will be released on December the 2nd. And we really feel that we have a chance of being recognized and being on that shortlist. So, of course, all of our fingers and toes are collectively crossed. Um, if we could be on that shortlist, it just would be tremendous for the life of the project. And, of course, what that means is that more and more and more people are, are paying attention to this issue. Yes. So is there anything that we can do? <laughs> Make some noise. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, we Ghosts all... in our machine. Woohoo! Yeah. I mean, if, um, you know, if uh, we've followed all of the qualification eligibility, um, so, you know, we're, we're on track for that. Um, I think it's really just about being noticed and, and, and uh, the, the film will have to speak for itself. Um, the voting, the, the Academy votes, and uh, I don't know really the process, but um, I think we've done, you know, what we can do and as much exposure and, and social media noise that we can make, I think, is, is, would help. But that's already happening, too, so, you know. Well, let's let people who, who haven't done it yet know. So your website is theghostsinourmachine.com. And what's your Twitter? Ghost Movie. Ghost Movie. I knew that because <laughs> <laughs> I like Twitter. Okay, so you are at Ghosts Movie on Twitter. And where are you on Facebook? Uh, the Ghost in Our Machine. Okay, The Ghost in Our Machine. Now, yeah. we talked about these wonderful reviews, and I want to ask you something about the New York Times review. He used a word that was incorrect, and I believe it issued a, a retraction. But in speaking about one of the fur farms that was shown in the film, he said it was illegal when it's not. Yeah. What, what, what do you make of that just in this whole world of, of how we see animals? I think that it's fascinating because, um, first of all, everything that was documented in the film, uh, those are legal spaces that farm, breed, uh, use animals uh, for um, a myriad of, of products. And so the film focuses on the four main animal industries, which is uh, animals used for food, animals used for fashion, and, and it's the fur industry that we focus on in the movie, animals used for product testing, vivisection, and animals used for entertainment. And so that's pretty epic to cover all of that in 92 minutes. 
Um, but there's one investigation scene that we cover in the movie, and it's the fur industry, and it takes place in Europe, although it's a global industry, of course. Um, and we shadow Jo, Joanne, um, and she's with a, a German uh, investigator as they um, basically early morning um, go into uh, a fur farm. And, you know, these fur farms we access, we see the animals, the fox, the mink that are kept in cages for fur. Um, and it seems like it would be illegal because it seems very clandestine, it's very removed and hidden from our view, it's off the beaten track. Um, so all of that is revealed. And so I think anyone watching might just assume, well, hey, how can that be legal? Um, you know, it's not right. So I think morally it triggers that response for a viewer, but the truth is that these places are, quote-unquote, legal, meaning they're commonplace, uh, they're pervasive, and this is the system that consumers are complicit, um, that uses animals en masse globally in our industrialized world. So The Ghosts in Our Machine, I'm just going to talk about the title for a moment because... Um, it's very significant. And so the ghosts are the animals that we don't like to think about so much. You know, we like to talk about and think about um, our companion animals, you know, dogs and cats. We love them, them names. They live with us in our homes. Um, we love wildlife, or most of us love wildlife. Um, whales and wolves, we, we value them. But all the billions of others, um, and I say billions because it really is billions of animals uh, that are slaughtered every year. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll drop a statistic here, which is that 72 billion animals are farmed for food uh, around the world every single year. And the vast majority of those animals are living within conditions that don't even meet basic welfare standards. Um, and that's a humane society of the United States statistic. So the ghosts are those animals. And the machine, of course, is our industrialized, globalized system. And it's our consumer-driven world that drives that system. And it's our machine, not the machine, because the movie is not a finger-wagging movie. It's not saying, it's not shaming people and saying, you are bad and, uh, you know, making people uh, feel like hitting people over the head, basically. Um, it's basically saying this is, this is a system that, that um, we all feed into. I mean, vegans, obviously, far less than anyone else, if not at all, have a zero animal footprint. But, you know, we can, for non-vegans, um, there's, you know, a pretty massive animal footprint. We, we talk a lot about uh, reducing our environmental footprint. Uh, to be kinder to the planet, to be stewards for air, water, trees, and 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 Mother Earth, but we also need to t we also need to think about the animals, and so that's what the Ghost in Our Machine is urging people to do: is to reflect. And it, because it's our machine, it it really is a film that's designed to be uh, a, a tool for people to open the door, to remove blinders and to become conscious. 
Um, and you do it absolutely beautifully. I'm so sorry, Joanne. Our, I'm, I keep calling you Joanne. We should have had her on as well. I am so sorry, Liz, that our time is almost up. I did want to mention that Joanne's book is about to be published, We Animals. That will be published by Lantern Books. You can pre-order it now on Amazon.com, which I have done. I can hardly wait to sit down and look at these extraordinary photographs. And everybody, see the ghosts in our machine Go to the website, follow them on Twitter, and just hold a thought. Say a prayer. We really need to see you guys and those ghosts on that Oscar shortlist. Thanks so much, Liz Marshall. Oh, thank you so much. I can't wait to see you again. We'll do it soon. Be well. And everybody, do stay with us through these breaks, and we are going to be back with the real Mary Lou. wellness expert, Dr. Michelle Robin on healthy living. In the game of wellness, there's some basic habits that you need to embrace in order to live a well life. In her book, Wellness on a Shoestring, Robin shows you that complete wellness of body, mind, and spirit doesn't have to cost a fortune. Client Eddie Penrice turned his health around with Dr. Robin's seven habits for a healthy life. I've got to say my body just embraced the change. Besides feeling better, looking better, thinking more clearly. Many of Robin's seven habits for a healthy life are simple and free. She offers tips and shares real stories from clients like Eddie, who've incorporated the habits into their lives and seen the results. You can make this change by being convicted that you will do it. That you don't need anyone else's assistance or help to do it. Make this the year you get healthy. Discover a low-cost, attainable path to feeling better than ever. Order wellness on a shoestring today at www.shopunity.org. From mayhem to miracle, from disaster to divine, Rants to Revelations Radio finds the opportunities for spiritual growth in everyday moments. Drawing from current headlines to pop culture, Reverend Ogan blurs the lines between the sacred and the profane, bringing meaning to the meaningless, with guests who are dedicated to transforming the world for good. Join Ogan live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central for Rants to Revelations Radio. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hello there and welcome back to Main Street Vegan here on Unity Online Radio. Oh my goodness, my excitement just keeps mounting today getting to introduce all these incredible people. I am so honored today to be sharing these airwaves. I think that's what we still call them when it's internet radio with Mary Lou Henner. She is herself a current radio host. She has a daily show. I would say I don't know how she does it, but she's extraordinary. We talked before about her incredible memory. She also is just super energy charged, and a lot of that is the way that she eats and the way she lives. Mary Lou Henner has starred in over 30 films, six Broadway shows, and two hit classic sitcoms, Taxi and Evening Shade. She is a 
five-time Golden Globe nominee. She was on Celebrity Apprentice, made it to the final five, playing for her favorite charities, including Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine and the Alzheimer's Association, which we mentioned earlier. She was PCRM's 25th anniversary recipient of the Voice of Compassion Award. And she is also a New York Times bestselling author of nine books on health, parenting, memory, and lifestyle improvement. Her latest book is Total Memory Makeover, and she also has Total Health Makeover, the 30-day Total Health Makeover, and so much more that, as I was saying during the break, Mary Lou, if I kept saying all you have done, you wouldn't get to talk. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I'm your friend, so that's the best part. And And we're soul sisters when it comes to health. We are, and I want to talk to you about the first health change that you made because so many people, they go vegetarian and then 10 years later they make it to be, you gave up milk. What inspired you to do that? Well, what happened was um, my parents, well, uh, let me take you back to the beginning. I was a stupid teenage yo-yo dieter, would go up and down, up and down in my weight. And then when my father passed away when I was 17, I really found myself eating my feelings and I ballooned up to 174 pounds. And at 174 pounds, I could look in the mirror and I knew that something was wrong, not only because of the way I looked and none of my clothes fit anymore because I put on the weight in a very short period of time, but I also knew that my health was being compromised and all the energy that I always had as a little girl, that was suffering as well. And I thought, I cannot, you know, something's not right. I'm a natural, you know, something's not right. So I started studying the connection between food and health just very briefly. But then when my mother took very ill with uh, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, I said to myself, she's either going to get out of this hospital alive and I'm going to learn everything about the human body to help her and the rest of my brothers and sisters, or if she passes away, I'm not going to let her death and my father's death be in vain, and I'm still going to learn everything I can. So when she died at 58, having taught dancing in December, going to bed with the flu in January, going into the hospital in February, losing her leg in April and dying in May, I said, I have to find a different way. It's not about my weight anymore. It's really about my health. So I became this like crazy student of health. I read everything I could get my hands on. And because of my unusual memory, I think I was able to cross-connect a lot of information in a very short period of time. So I decided to eat up information instead of eating my feelings. And uh, I went to medical libraries, uh, nutritionists, regular doctors. I took a human anatomy class at UCLA. And I started putting together a program that worked for me. And I experimented on myself. So actually, the very first thing I gave up was tab. I was drinking almost two gallons of tab a day, and I thought, oh, I'm learning a lot about the chemistry in food. So that was my first step. And I thought, I can do anything for three weeks. I figured people are either, now I call them turkeys or wieners. People either can go cold turkey on something or they have to wean themselves. So I gave up tab. I said, I'm going to give it up for three weeks and then try it and go back to it if it doesn't affect me in an adverse way. I gave it up three weeks. I tasted it. I could not believe what it tasted like. And that led me to giving up refined sugar. And because I was giving up refined sugar, I gave up meat. And I thought I was on the way to health until I went to see a nutritionist. And he said, I don't think you're really going to be healthy until you give up dairy products. And I thought, what? My cheese, my yogurt, my milk, all that stuff. 
Well, I can say that the single greatest thing I ever did for my health was giving up dairy products. And I always say that my health birthday is August 15th, 1979, which was a Wednesday because that's when I gave up dairy and it changed my life forever. My weight changed, my health changed, everything, my breathing, all of it. I didn't get sick anymore. And even though I had sort of gotten my weight under control by giving up some of the other things and learning about food, it was it was really... The, the cornerstone of my health habits. I, I really felt like I really got healthy when I gave up dairy products. I okay. noticed that as well. We had such an interesting the early life similarities because my top weight when I stopped weighing was 177. Oh. And, and it was, I was already vegetarian, but it was only after I stopped the milk that I really noticed anything, and it made such a difference. So oh, I'm does. speaking with Mary Lou Henner. You can find her at MaryLou.com, M-A-R-I-L-U, and her show is MaryLouShow.com. That's easy. Now, you actually helped your husband through a health crisis with your dietary ideas. Well, Michael is my third husband. We actually went to college together at the University of Chicago, and he was my roommate's boyfriend. And I ran into him when I was getting married to my first husband. We never dated, but then ten, uh, six months after my second divorce was final, I had two wonderful sons with my second husband, um, Michael came into my life again, and we started seeing each other, and we just realized we were destined to be together. And two months into our relationship, he was diagnosed with two cancers bladder cancer, and lung cancer. By this time, I was well-established in the, you know, my books had come out. This was only 10 and a half years ago. And we were so, um, we were so compatible, so happy. I thought, okay, failure's not an option. I'm not losing this guy. I have to take him to my doctors all over the country that I know to be the real healers, and we're going to put a protocol together for him. So 10 years ago, over 10 years ago, when he was diagnosed, I took him to see even doctors that I wouldn't, didn't want him to see, but I figured I would let him see the whole range of doctors. And um, he had bladder cancer and lung cancer. We put a protocol together for him. And uh, next Monday, or this Sunday, will be his 10-year anniversary of remission. And, you know, he, his, the, hair, the color, he went through such detox, Victoria. He didn't go through chemo. He didn't go through radiation. He didn't lose his bladder. He didn't lose his prostate, things that other doctors were recommending. No chemo, no radiation, no big surgery on his bladder and prostate. And he, uh, the color came back to his hair. He went through such detox. He became vigilant. He became a, a real student of health, takes supplements, shoots himself with Iskador, uh, started rebounding, deep tissue massaging, uh, uh, infrared saunas. Um, he also did some AMA practices like uh, uh, BCG, which is kind of liquid tuberculosis for your bladder. It washes your bladder in that. But it was mainly the detox. He chelated. He did so many things. Totally vegan diet, got rid of the uh, um, you know, fillings in his teeth, the mercury fillings, etc. And he's been in incredible shape and incredible health ever since then. That's actually my 10th book that I'm working on now. I wanted a provocative title, so it's called How I Cured My Husband's Cancer. And it's really a love Ooh. story, not, not a how-to book. Oh, <laughs> so. that, that's oh, what a title. And I mean, I've met your husband. He looks like a man who has never been sick a day in his life. He's the picture of health. I know. Beautiful and coloring in his skin. I, his, 
the whites of his eyes are really strong. You know, he's incredible. We stop poisoning ourselves and amazing things happen. I know, because it's not just about, you know, it's about getting rid of what's already been building up, the total body burden of years and years and years of bad habits. You've got to get that stuff out, you know, whether you work on it from a cellular level, like with uh, infrared saunas, which get into, you know, the fat tissue, et cetera, because let's face it, fat is the, the number one poison carrier, and it just stays and accumulates and starts taking its toll on us. So, you know, he's, he's incredible. And nobody, people who are diagnosed at the exact same time, they're either completely dead, they're gone, or they're still suffering from uh, relapses and, you know, things like that. So, anyway, you know, rel- not relapse, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> you know, they, it's like, oh, it comes back. It's kind of yeah, recurrent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when you look around at the state of health in America, what would you just like to do for everybody? Well, first of all, I think it's a tsunami of health now. I think that people years ago, it was so much harder when I started this in the 70s. And I think that people, uh, I think that people are now questioning more. They're questioning their doctors. They're questioning their food sources. I think it's a real tsunami of health that you can't stop. But as a result, there's a backlash from all the other people, the you know, pharmaceutical companies, certain doctors, it's like the, the, the healthier people are getting, the more it's, we're losing the business of being unhealthy. So there's a, a backlash. I think what I would do, I would start with the kids. I think we have to get the message into our children. I think our children are natural vegetarians, vegans. I think our children are kinder to animals. You know, I, you remember when I saw you in August, August 3rd, um, at the PCRM event, and Dr. Neil Barnard gave the greatest example. He said, if you put a, a baby kitty in front of a bird or a mouse, that baby kitty is going to want to go for that bird or mouse. You put a baby child, you know, a human child in front of a bunny or a lamb or a calf, or you put it in front of, you know, a, a, a chicken, it's not going to want to eat those things. <laughs> it's going to want to play with those things. You know, it's like our natural inclination is not to be eating animals. And I think that the, the, the more we get the message into our children about being kind to animals, about we're not supposed to be eating them, we don't have the digestive enzymes, we don't have the teeth, we don't have the, uh, the gastrointestinal tract, we have none of those things. You know, we're not designed to be eating the heavy animals and to be killing our animals. We love our pets, et cetera, and we could save the planet, save our pocketbook, save our health, save the animals, and save our physiques, you know, our outlines, our shapes. And I think that people are missing that message. So that's what I want to do. I want to get, I want to get across to people the five things that we can save by, by, you know, discontinuing eating animals. And I think that it also starts with our kids. Mm-hmm. So list the five again for those of us who don't have super duper memory. <laughs> five things can be saved: the planet, our pocketbooks, our animals, our health, and our shape. You know, I mean, because people think, oh, well, this person is. You know, I'm thin. Somebody could say, oh, I'm thin, but I'm healthy inside, you know. So I I say there are two different things going on. There's our bodies, our silhouette, what we consider, you know, kind of our meat bodies, and that's our insides. It's like what's going on health-wise with us, you know, because just because someone's thin doesn't mean that they're healthy. Oh, absolutely not. Have you heard about being skinny fat? The skinny fat? Skinny fat. Yeah, they were talking about that at my gym a while back, that you can be thin, but oh, if you're yeah. not fit, you're, you still have a lot of fat. You just don't 
look fat because you don't have any muscle either. Right. You have nothing. Yeah, the skinny fat. I see what you mean. I thought this was some new diet. No, you know what I always think? I, I always say, look around you, America. You know that something is wrong. But I think it's the people who are overweight, who have pimples, bad skin, who have bad health. I applaud them because they're the natural healers. And you have to look at any condition that you have that you're not getting away with bad habits. You are a natural healer. And if you start doing the right thing, your body will respond. You have to learn to love the food that loves you. That's one of the things. And we have spent so many years destroying our palates, eating the wrong types of foods that we don't even recognize, you know, what a good food is anymore. And it's like we're stuffing our faces but starving our bodies. Mm. Our bodies are saying, what? No, I'm listening. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's okay. It's really true. We're, We're stuffing our faces but we're starving our bodies because mm. our bodies are saying, oh, you're eating this bad food? We'll eat more, 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 more of it. Is there a nutrient in there? You know, so we're like, that's what, and that's what we're doing with our kids a lot of times too, stuffing our faces but starving our bodies. And what's going to happen, we're going to face a health crisis in this country if we don't get a grip, especially for kids. You know, I wrote a book in uh, 2000 called Healthy Kids. 2001, the book came out. Uh, so that's, you know, almost 14 years ago that I was working on it. And that that title was even available to me is crazy. And everything I was talking in that book, about in that book, has come to pass where we're having more diabetes in kids, more cardiovascular disease, more fast food, you know, obesity problems, type 2 diabetes, everything. And we've got to take, we've got to, to we have to like take our health back. We really do. Oh, and not think sure. that just because something's on a shelf, it's okay for us or for our kids. Right. And I just wanted to go back to what you said about the people with acne and that being the natural healers, because I think some people may be saying, huh, what, what's that about? Because you're coming from a detox point of view. And this is something that those of us who went vegetarian and vegan back in the 70s learn more about. Now there's so much information out there about everything that that basic truth of detoxing and truly when you are somebody who eats this food and your body says, ah, Help me. I'm going to break out. I'm going to get sick. That's a person who's got vital life energy. And somebody who eats it and, you know, they seem to be okay, they're the ones who can be in big trouble down the road. Absolutely. Absolutely. You you, You probably will go through a little healing crisis, especially like for me. I, my giving up dairy products, my nose ran, my cheeks, uh, you know, my lung puffs where the lung part of my face is indicated. I mean, I would break out and stuff, but I knew I was on to something true. I knew I was on to the truth and I knew that I was on to some great information because I could tell that further down the line, I was going to feel better than I ever did before. And I did. Mm-hmm. I went through the healing crisis and I stayed yes. on it, stayed uh, eating this food because not only did I learn to love the food that loves me, but I felt the rewards. I didn't get sick anymore. I didn't need, uh, you know, uh, any kind of, uh, um, uh, I didn't get coughs like I did. I wasn't always getting sore throats or stuffy noses or anything like that. And, and my weight changed completely. Oh my gosh, my whole body changed, especially giving up dairy products. And then you don't have to worry anymore. I think so many people have this idea with weight that it's always going to be an issue. You know what? <laughs> it doesn't have to be an issue. So no. tell, I don't, you have this fabulous radio show every single day, which is incredible. So tell us about that and what's your aim for that? What's your mission? Well, I wanted to do something about health because I was 
you know, in, in, on my health journey for so many years, and I met incredible people like you and Dr. Neil Barnard from PCRM and so many celebrities uh, over, over the years who really felt passionate about what they eat or how they take care of animals and, you know, just the way they live their lifestyles. And I thought, I've got to do a show um, if I, you know, people approached me about doing a show a long time ago, and I thought I want to do a show about health, and uh, so I call it Life Through the Prism of Health, and it's fun. I mean, it's I, last week I had on Phil Cullen, uh, who is uh, Phil Cullen, who's the um, who's the lead guitarist for Def Leppard, and he sought us out because he's a vegan and he wanted to talk about it and his kids and you know, the way he's going to celebrate the holidays. And, you know, people want to talk about this because they feel so good, so they want to share the information. They want to share the health. And when you want to share the health because you know you've, you've overcome some kind of, you know, physical crisis or, or whatever, or you just feel so much better than maybe you thought you would 10 years ago, or maybe you're overcoming something that you learned from your parents or, you know, your family felt like, oh, this was my destiny. So I wanted to share information with people. And, you know, as an actress, I felt like I, I have a platform and a big mouth and I remember everything. So I always say to people, I'm not a know-it-all, I'm a remember-it-all. <laughs> so I get to bring on people that I've met over the years and let them share their story. Oh, I'm yeah, if we had more that. time, we could talk about that. But you can read Total Memory Makeover and, and get some of these incredible tips because you, you were born with this, but you can teach some of these memory tricks to other people. Well, I think everybody, you know, everything that you've ever been through is on your emotional hard drive and it's making you behave in ways whether or not you even recognize it. So when it was discovered that I have what is known now as highly superior autobiographical memory, uh, they did a big two-part 60 minutes on it in uh, December of 2010, and now uh, we actually shot some more footage, uh, uh, an update of the whole, you know, what's, what's been happening with all the memory testing and everything that we've all been through. They've actually found nine measurements of, they took 300 measurements of our brains and they discovered nine places that are 10 times larger than the normal brain. So I have a really unusual memory, but I know that people can remember so much more than they ever realized. So I'm trying to stimulate their memories, give them memory prompting exercises, help bring things back. Because to me, developing a strong autobiographical memory, it's our strongest line of defense against meaninglessness that we have. Because uh, if all you do is you wake up, you live your life, you turn off the light, you go to sleep, you wake up, live your life, turn off the light, go to sleep, and nothing's moved forward, what does it mean? Mm, so this way, you're, you're, anyway, this way you're able to bring your past to your present and let it inform a better future. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, our stories are our lives, and you tell them beautifully. MaryLou.com, MaryLouShow.com, all kinds of fabulous books, Total Memory Makeover, Total Health Makeover, the 30-Day Total Health Makeover. Mary Lou, bless your heart. Thanks for visiting with us today. Thank you so much. I just adore you, Victoria. You're like, you know, I just love that we're soul sisters in health. It's a great feeling to know there's a kindred spirit out there. So thank you. You know, we got lots of them these days. We are lucky indeed. Thanks, everybody. We'll see. (laughs) It is indeed. (laughs) God bless you all and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey.
This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. If I were brave, I'd walk the razor's edge Where fools and dreamers dare to tread And never lose faith How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if we're all meant to do what we secretly dream? Have you heard about Dr. Tom Shepard's new program on Unity Online Radio? Tom Shepard, isn't he the Unity Magazine question and answer guy? Right. Well, they've actually turned him loose with a radio show, and I hear it's going to be pretty edgy. Edgy? Like what? Guest panelists and students from Unity Institute and Seminary. Topics like abortion, gay marriage, war and peace, environmental issues, Islamic fundamentalism, universal health care, religion and politics, current events. Yeah, but they'll all be Unity people, right? Dr. Tom and his students will talk about the hard questions facing all people today, sometimes joined by rabbis, priests, liberal and conservative ministers, Buddhist monks, Baha'is, Hindus. And he's going to interview them on the program? Better. He's going to introduce a controversial topic and let students and special guests go for it. This could get explosive. Does he have guys in black shirts standing by to break up the fights? (laughs) If I know Dr. Tom, he will keep it both friendly and spirited. Whoa, I gotta hear this. When and where? The program is called Let's Talk About It, and it's on every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio. So let's talk about it. Definitely, let's. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, It's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. 
Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness If I were brave I'd walk the razors where fools and dreamers dare to tread and never lose faith How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if we're all meant to do what we secretly dream? Inspiration only takes a moment. As Reverend Felicia Blanco Circe points out in her book, Do Greater Things, there is the potential for joy, wholeness, and expansiveness designed into every moment. And the miracle is when we recognize the constant presence of these qualities all around us. Once we see what is possible, our lives then begin to change. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down.